Okay, uh, at this time, we are going to dismiss the kids to head to the back. We do have uh, Cedar Valley Kids happening this morning. But before I do that, I want to invite our guest speaker up this morning, Pastor Bob Bear. And this is exciting for me because as we've just been going through uh, bringing in guest speakers and everything like that, uh, I've been able to reach out to some pastors who've been very influential in my life. And Bob was my youth pastor for the majority of years, so he got to see me not at my best. <laughs> I gave you some grief. I, I was going to say, uh, I won't tell stories if you don't tell stories about Oh, okay, good, okay. I'll leave the... Yeah, sure. <laughs> No, but I, and actually, uh, Bob was influential in me going to Columbia Bible College. Bob was influential in me applying here at the church years ago as well. And excited to just bring you here. And I just want to pray a blessing on you. And uh, I'm heading down with the kids, but I'm going to be excited to take in the message after the service. So, um, dear Heavenly Father, just pray that uh, you are speaking through Bob this morning, God, that you just give Bob words that will impact our hearts and our minds and our souls. Uh, God, I just thank you so much that you've given him the time and space and ability to be here with his wife. And I just am so excited for what we are going to engage together in uh, as a congregation and a community. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, kids, head on to the back. If you're joining us online, we have a YouTube channel with a whole set of lessons for kids material as well if you're joining us in at home. Thank you, Grant. I was on the way out here, my wife Shannon and I we were talking and I said, this is not actually the first time that I have given some sort of message to a portion of uh, Cedar Valley uh, attendees. Uh, back in 1991, uh, for those of you who can think that far back or was, was around that far back, I had just started um, working at Columbia Bible College in the men's dorm. Uh, my friend had just started working for MCBC as the youth director, and the youth pastor here at the time, his name is Glenn Kelso. Does anyone remember Glenn? Oh, okay, there's a few hands coming up. Um, Glenn was scheduled to have the, the kickoff. I think that they often went to Okanagan Lake to, to do some water skiing and to, to have a whole youth retreat, and Glenn's wife was pregnant and was due any day. And the church basically said, um, you're not going on a youth retreat with your wife going through some of these things. So they contacted the new uh, director at MCBC, youth director at MCBC and said, would you do it? And he said, I'm busy, but my friend Bob, who just started here, would be glad to do it. Uh, and, so, uh, and so Glenn had everything written out. All I had to do was, was basically read his notes. And so I got away for the weekend. It was the first time water skiing. Did not go well. Um, but that was my first time, 1991. So uh, it has been a while since I have been here. Oh, I've been here other times, but I've spoken here, I should say, maybe say. Um, I'm currently working uh, at uh, Elam Village Seniors Living. Uh, we are, uh, I'm a campus pastor there. And uh, this spring, uh, our lead uh, pastor there uh, said, let's do something a little different than maybe we would do otherwise. Let's go through the minor prophets. All 10 of them will do one per Sunday. Um, I don't know how um, I'm part-time, we have another part-time when he's full-time, yet I did six of the minor prophets myself. 
I don't know how that ended up coming to me. Uh, Hosea, 14 chapters, Amos, 9 chapters, uh, all sort of built around um, the northern kingdom. Um, these were the, the message to the northern kingdom of, of this is kind of things that we're having issues with. Uh, Nahum, Zephaniah, um, maybe you don't even realize that these are actual names, but uh, all based around uh, areas in the southern kingdom. And then I got into Haggai. And Haggai was a prophet to post-exile. Um, in other words, they had returned back from, uh, from their services uh, or from, from their time in exile, and God had, had just started bringing people back. And during the, the pre-exile, before they actually disappeared uh, away from, from exile, there, was, um, there were these constant messages that, that God kept showing their, their prophets along the way um, to multiple generations of God's people who continued to fall short. And when you're preaching on this all the time, and some of the books have an awful lot of negative with just a little bit of positive at the end, it, it kind of feels a little draining. Um, the message over and over again, God's people had been idolatrous. Worshipping other gods, not, or probably more accurately, worshipping other gods while also worshipping God Almighty. Like, it wasn't that they abandoned God, they just added other gods to their worship. Gods that would help them in other areas of life. Um, they became unfaithful um, to God. Um, not only unfaithful to, in, in who they worshipped, but also they were starting to take influences of these other nations who were worshipping other gods and said, this is how we need to live life. There was, they were, there was this era of apathy. We really don't care what God's up to. We just aren't going to live our own life. We're going to just do what we often do. And it often led to um, this idea of people being unjust or unfair to the widows, to the orphans, to, um, to the people who, who God wanted to love, but people just kept everything to themselves. Like, ah, I don't really care. It became prideful. It's all about us and how we do things, and whatever God wants, well, that's only a suggestion. Um, became unrighteous. They started living contrary to the Lord's ways. And we're, we're honest with ourselves. All of us sometimes, at least once, uh, get into these areas uh, where we do not always do so well. And sometimes I become quite apathetic or unjust in how I deal with other people or uh, unfaithful sometimes in the ways that, that I do things. But over and over again, the, these pre-exile prophets kept saying, come back to God. Uh, the lines, uh, more times than not, the, the bio, these verses, these chapters, um, talk about God being frustrated, being disappointed, and even sometimes being angry in a very righteous way about people who are just throwing away their relationship with God just so that they can do their own thing. And then stating along the ways that 
this is what you guys all deserve for how you are treating me. And at the end, always turning it, but I love you too much. I love you too much to allow you to your own devices, which is why discipline was necessary, which is why reminders were necessary. Seven, and, and finally, um, yeah, oftentimes they responded, but their responses were very short-lived. Finally, uh, God sends them into exile. 70 years in Babylon. But it's interesting. We think um, it's sort of this, this punishment, this, this whatever else. But Ezekiel says that he saw a vision that God had left the temple before the exiles did, and he was waiting for them in Babylon. That everyone's like, oh no, we lost the temple, God, we can't worship God, and God's like, no, I'm already... It's kind of like putting your kids in time out and sitting with them. I'll be in the corner before you get here, but you need to be in the corner. And it's like this beautiful image that, that God was actually um, was not leaving them on their own when they sent them to exile, but he went ahead of them into exile to be there while, he, while they were, were, were being sent away. Uh, Isaiah promised, prophesied that God would one day remember them and would gather them back to home, but not like the way that God acted in the past. I love Isaiah 43. Because Isaiah 43 talks about, um, you, remember, you remember Egypt? You remember how God worked in Egypt? Remember how he took you across the river? Remember how he, he did all these plagues? And the people in Babylon were thinking to themselves, God's going to do the same thing to get us out of there. And in Isaiah 43 verse 19 it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. And even though these people were thinking, God's going to do miraculous things to restore us back to our, our homeland, he's going to put plagues of gnats and locusts and all these sorts of things, and then we're going to walk across the, 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 the river, and it's going to park for us and go dry, and God's going to do this miraculous thing. But do you know how they left Babylon? The new king said, Ah, you can just go home. Which one, what's more miraculous? That, that, that a king basically says, no, you know what, we don't, you can just go home on your own. There, there was no big thing, but it was kind of special that they all got to go home and there was no war, there was no uh, acting up, it was just a freedom to return. And now they get home, there's a new governor, uh, Zerubbabel. There is a new high priest, his name is Joshua. And they st start about restoring the, the nation. They start restoring Jerusalem, hoping to rebuild it. Rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding their houses, rebuilding uh, their temple, rebuilding the nation, um, rebuilding walls, rebuilding how they worshipped again. 
And these stories can often also be found in the historic books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But we also see in those books that all of a sudden there's some opposition from the people who were living in the land saying, we don't want you to rebuild it. We don't really want you to, especially the temple, especially the walls, we don't want you to do that. So they get opposition, and we find out that um, they stop rebuilding the temple, and they just go home and they start rebuilding their own homes. They start saying, well, if we can't do that because we get opposition, why don't we just make our own homes uh, friendly and healthy and and put it into a good place? And post-exile, as they are building their own homes um, and they're taking care of their own affairs, God sends three different prophets over the next uh, few decades, um, Haggai, Zechariah, and eventually Malachi. And their message if you read through the Bible, is very different than Amos, than Zephaniah, than the ones that were pre-exile. Haggai, in particular, uh, is a huge change from basically instead of prophetic warnings to prophetic rebuilding, to rebuilding um, Ereza. Let me just read uh, Haggai 1, uh, uh, verses 2 to 11. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but you have never enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains in ruin, while each of you are busy with your own house. Therefore, because, you, because of you, the heavens have withered, or withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I call for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and new wine, and olive oil and everything else from the ground produces, on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. We get a glimpse as to what Haggai is, is all about. In a lot of ways, we get a glimpse of what a lot of the prophets are about by how their, their names are, what they're called. Haggai actually is the root for the word festival holiday, holy days, coming out of exile, people were waiting to celebrate. People were waiting to have holy days again. People were waiting to enjoy God's presence, to, to worship Him in His temple once again. But they needed reminding 
not to forget the Lord during that rebuilding phase, as they were rebuilding everything back up. And in this uh, short uh, book, I just want to bring out uh, uh, four lessons that we have here. First of all, in the rebuilding phase, our priorities matter. Rebuilding the temple had stalled due to opposition. So what did they do? They went home, and they started doing home renovations. Adorning their walls with the finest panels, they basically went and, and splurged on their own house, they made themselves comfortable, they, they did everything about how I can start living better together. And in verse 3 and 4, when it says, The Lord, word of the Lord came to the prophets, it is time for yourselves to, to be living in your... Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? And the problem is people started focusing on themselves and not on God. And the priority... Not saying don't build in your houses, but... But don't forget God and his temple while you're doing that. Don't abandon God in the rebuilding phase of your lives. Make sure that our priorities are straight. Uh, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine, as has not put them into practice, is that, like that of a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash." Our priorities matter. Where we build our foundations, where we put our energy into a rebuilding phase matters. And we, if we forget who God is in the midst of rebuilding, we're building on, on, on sandy soil. Uh, Christ is our solid rock. And it may be interesting to note that this is the only prophet who, in his own book, the response was, What? We're supposed to rebuild the temple? Okay, let's do it. Like, people listened. They said, let's go up into the hills. Let's get some wood. Let's get some rocks. Let's, get, let's bring everything down. Let's put everything into, to work. Let's start rebuilding the temple. Like, every other prophet ends with, eh, no one really listened. Haggai, they start listening. And it's maybe because they wanted to worship. They wanted those holy days. They wanted to, to celebrate. And as, as Haggai continues this theme, um, the next point, so we, we had put your priorities in order, manage your expectations. As the temple nears its completion, a lot of people started recognizing it doesn't have the same glory that the old temple had. The previous glory of Solomon's temple wasn't being seen in this new version of the temple that was there. And Haggai 2 verse 3 says, Who of you is left saw this house in its former glory? 
How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. The book of Ezra also talks about this, that in their dedication of this new temple, there was a huge celebration, and the younger generation were coming up going, we have a temple again! This is awesome! And in the midst of their celebration, they heard weeping in the background. As the older generation was going, I miss what we had. I miss what we had. But in many ways, the Lord is reminding people that it's not about the temple. It's about his presence. It's not about how it looks or what the the shape of it is or any of those sorts of things. The real majesty of the temple at that time, it was the place where the presence of God would be that we could worship. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter if, it, if it's scruffy or if it looks a little different or it acts a little bit different. The, the important thing is the presence of the Lord. Not about, about its aesthetics or the way that things look. <clears throat> God is more important with relationships than he is with the aesthetics of how things look. He is more important... He's more concerned that that we have a good relationship with him than we do things perfectly, that we organize things a certain way, that, that the way that we worship looks a certain way. God is much more uh, concerned that we have a re- real and authentic relationship with him than the way that we maybe want to put it on sometimes uh, on a Sunday morning or other ways. Put your priorities in order, manage your expectations, renew your covenant. Obedience is part of God's work. Rebuilding their lives in other areas, uh, the other areas of their lives weren't necessarily flourishing. Some of the blessings, it says, were being withheld because they had defiled hands. They were doing things Um, they were getting into the same problems that that the earlier versions of Israel were getting into. The unfaithfulness, the the, um, idolatrous, well, maybe not as much the idolatrous. They seemed to have cured some of that. But the unjustness, the apathy was was starting to come back in. Haggai 2.14, then Haggai said, so it is with the people of this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there there is defiled. Injustice and unrighteousness slipped back in very quickly, especially when we look at ourselves and we we start building our own houses and we aren't rebuilding the temple. Selfish opportunities to get ahead um, in life that are not honoring to God and how we do it. It's more important to build my own life and God becomes secondary again. And we know that no matter where we are, um, Romans 3.23 reminds us, we have all sinned. We all continue to have um, temptations not to necessarily do 
it to the full extent as we come together. But we always are reminded to come back into a covenant relationship, to, get, to come back into a time where God says, we want to say, yes, I want to be fully committed to the, to the Lord. And there's this, in the midst of this celebration, there's this, this desire to come back. Um, Matthew 6, 19 and 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Recovenant. Get back into that, that heart relationship with the Lord because that's what is most important. Recommit to yourselves, recovenant yourself, saying, okay, I know that I've been slipping, but I need a reminder to come back and to be um, fully committed. Priorities in order, manage expectations, renew covenant, and very quickly, the future is going to still be bright. There is a bright future ahead. No matter how much maybe the expectations are kind of feeling like it's waning, the future is still bright. The book ends... um, on, in uh, verse 19 on chapter 3, from this day on, I will bless you. The temple, the place where the presence of God dwells, will one day be even more glorious than Solomon's temple. And I don't think they were talking about uh, King Herod's temple that comes in even later, which is bigger and grander. I think we know the temple that he's talking about here. A descendant of King David will sit on the throne forever. At the end, he's showing that our future is not in the building and it's not in the rebuilding. The future is in Jesus. The future is pointing to the Messiah that is to come. Ezekiel prophesied that his new name would be Yahweh Shema. The Lord's presence is there. Isaiah prophesied that his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. That in rebuilding, the future is that God's presence is there with us. John 2, Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. Are you going to raise it up again In three days, the temple that they are talking about, the one that is going to be more glorious, is not a building. And as we look even to the end of the Bible, to Revelation 21, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Our future is bright when we put all of these these lessons from Haggai in order, when we recognize that as we do these things, that that God is our presence in our temple and we get to enjoy his presence because he came again. Our future hope is very bright. Now I want to make um, an application to our time. I've heard it said, often because I say it, COVID restrictions 
have often felt like we've been in exile. The doors of the church have been shattered, shuttered. We weren't allowed to come in here and worship the way that we are used to. The present, we, and we have said, well, we, if we can't worship, if we're not in the building of God, and maybe over this last time, God's presence has been out in our community and saying, I'm here waiting for you. Stop looking to get back into here. Take advantage of my presence where you're at, in your work, in your schools, in, in, in your neighborhood, wherever it happens to be. You don't have to be here to worship God. God's presence is everywhere. And maybe in our time of saying, well, we can't be here, maybe we should have been taking advantage of it. I think some people have, the, what, God, what is God doing out there, even in the midst of it? And I recognize that even with the restrictions and whatever else, that became more difficult too. But God's presence was out in, outside of the building during COVID. Maybe we didn't always recognize it. Maybe we didn't always take advantage of it. Maybe we were so worried about getting back into the building that we missed the opportunities that were there. But restrictions are lifting. Most of them have lifted um, in many places. And now we are having this opportunity to get back to rebuilding our lives. Rebuilding our community of faith, rebuilding our spaces for worship. And maybe Haggai has some lessons to us too as we are coming out of a a post-COVID exile and getting back into the opportunity to worship again as community. Priorities on our own houses or the house of the Lord. Are we so busy post-COVID that we're building our own houses? We're rebuilding our lives. We're putting everything back in order so that I can have my paneled houses. Meanwhile, the house of the Lord, uh, it's a little bit of opposition. I'm not going to put a lot of effort into that. I, I need to build up me first. And maybe Haggai's saying, you can build your life, but don't forget the house of the Lord. Don't forget the community of faith that you belong to. Maybe that's where some of your energy needs to go as we rebuild things. Maybe we're not doing so well. Maybe our blessings have been withheld because we're so busy thinking about how I can rebuild me and not thinking about how God is going to be um, reaching out to the community around us. Shattered expectations. Church doesn't look like it did 10 years ago. Church maybe doesn't look like it did pre-COVID. Are we celebrating because we have the opportunity to? Or are we crying because, hmm, I want it the way it was. And maybe the issue isn't the aesthetics of how church looks, but whether we're reconnecting our relationship with Jesus in the midst of this time. Maybe, maybe we need to do some recovenanting with God. Personally, as, as a community, <clears throat> a time for renewal, a time for recovenanting, a time for coming together and saying, Lord, we want to, to worship you in the fullness. We want to give ourselves to you again. Um, and maybe sometimes the things that we're not getting is because maybe... We're withholding some things for God, even as we try and rebuild things in our own lives. But reminder that even in the midst of this, 
even if it doesn't look maybe the way it was, the future is still bright. Not because of who we are and the community that we're going to build, but because who He is. And the things that, that He brings when we are uh, worshiping Him, when we are, are following Him the way that we are supposed to. Not because of ourselves, not because of our actions, but because who Jesus is and what He has done for us. That because He came because he died, because he rose again, because he gave us the Holy Spirit, his presence is with us. God is with us as we continue to move forward. And as we think about um, moving um, the next season of uh, Cedar Valley or you know, as, as any of, of our churches that are, are going on in this world, that we recognize where God is calling us to that we recognize that it's time for rebuilding not just our own lives, but rebuilding what God is calling us to, our own version of what is next in in God's kingdom. Knowing that that in the end, uh, God is victorious. So I'm going to bring Justin up in a second, but I just want to close in a a word of prayer, and then you can can, uh, close us off. Heavenly Father, COVID hasn't been easy. Restrictions haven't necessarily been easy. Lord, sometimes it's felt like um, people have been trying to strip your presence away from us and we've been so caught up in some of the restrictions that we forgot forgot to see where you are even in the midst of that. But now that the restrictions are gone, we have the opportunity to rebuild who we are and who we are individually, but also as a community, Lord. I pray that you would help us um, to be humble. I pray that you would help us to be faithful. I pray that you would help us to manage our expectations, and I pray that you would help us to put our priorities correct. And Lord, I just pray that, that uh, as a church, um, as a community, as your followers, both here and around the world, that we would do a, a wonderful job of staying faithful to you, to spread your good news and your love to, to everyone, because we know for those who are faithful, the future is bright. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.